I have a letter I need to read, and um, I read this with mixed emotions as I'm going to say this. Uh, let me read the letter, and then we can have a quick moment of prayer. Dear Centerpoint family, I'm writing this letter with mixed feelings of sadness and yet joy in that family life pastors Tyler and Hannah Brannigan are embarking on their journey of pursuing senior pastor responsibilities. They have been with us just under two years, and it is their desire to move toward their calling of becoming lead pastors and shepherding their own flock, of which we agree with. So the board and I as pastor are blessing them as they make this move. The plans are that they will continue with us through the end of this year. Please take some time to congratulate them and to express your appreciation for what they have done here at Center Point. We will miss them and their children and are praying God's blessings on them. Please keep them and your church in your prayers as we make this transition. Pray for God's direction and blessing on Tyler and Hannah as they seek his will on their new position. Pray for your church that we will find people that will continue their ministry here so that we can build upon that. Thank you for your prayers and faithfulness to the Church of Jesus Christ here in Charlevoix. Pastor Mike and Tyler and Hannah. So it is hard to say goodbye to people like this, but it's not uncommon for youth pastors, family life pastors, associate pastors, whatever, whatever title they hold, to feel a call to move on to senior pastorship, right? And this is not, it's, it's a time that we're going to miss them, but it's a time that we're going to bless them too. Does that make sense? Because people have calls in their life and we have to move on at some times. So it's appropriate. And it's good that we do this in a positive way and we encourage them and, and we bless them. So they're going to be with us now through the end of the year. This is not their last Sunday with us. You're going to have time to spend time with them and to just fellowship with them some more and uh, just encourage them as they go. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you today for your wisdom and for your leadership and for the way that you direct our paths. Uh, Lord, it's a mystery sometimes how things happen. I mean, I think we all can look back at our own lives and see the hand of God move in ways that we didn't expect. I certainly didn't expect to be here a few years ago. And, uh, and things just, just are led. And when we're obedient to be led, then great things happen. And great ministry occurs. And people are encouraged. And pe- people are touched for eternity. So I just pray, God, your blessings, and I pray your will. And I pray that you would just give us all peace and assurance that this is all good and that you have this in, in your hand for both Pastor Tyler and Hannah and their family and for us here at Center Point. And we just trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So thanks for being here again this morning. And I know that um, there's a, it's still an interesting time of life, isn't it? Because uh, obviously there are those that would be with us if they could. Rip and Vicky, this is their last week of quarantine. Otherwise, they would have been here. And uh, so, and others as well. So, but thanks for being here today. I want to continue in our study on the, the second book of Peter. And... Um, Again, this is a letter that Peter is writing to the churches that are scattered around Asia Minor. And, and Peter today is, 
helping them to see themselves for who they are in Christ. And I just want to put a little caveat here that um, when I do studies like this, I don't go very fast. I, I don't belabor them, but at the same time, I don't rush through the study just to see how quickly I can get through the study because that's not appropriate. I really do pray that the Holy Spirit would give me the important points that he wants to be pulled out of the study. I certainly can't cover them all. I'm certainly missing points as we go through this study today. By the way, I have a handout over here if people want to get it. Um, Thanks, Joe. And uh, the handout has the scripture that we're going to, our text, and it also has the other scriptures that we're going to use just for your purposes. And you can take notes on it if you'd like or just take it home and start a fire with it because it will start fires. You know, the one thing that's interesting about reading God's Word is that it is a living Word. It's a living Word. And with the Holy Spirit living inside you, when you read a living Word, the Holy Spirit will prompt you with new revelations of knowledge, new revelations of a deeper part of the Scripture, not a new form of Scripture, Not a new form of the gospel, nothing like that. I'm not saying that it's going to twist the gospel at all or twist the scripture. But the Holy Spirit gives you a deeper revelation of living word knowledge that fits right where you're at in the situation you're in for that day. Does anybody have a witness to that? Yeah, I've read read the Bible numerous times and different passages. And it's just amazing how sometimes a new little... A new little tidbit of truth pops out that just is what I needed to hear for that particular day. And that's what I love about God's Word. And so as we study it today, I, I encourage you to the points that I, don't, that I don't make or that I miss. Would you jot them down on your paper and maybe come and share it with me later what the Lord spoke to you about? Because I need to be encouraged by the Word of God too. And you can sharpen me as I pray to sharpen you. So I pray that we share this study together. And as we do this, it becomes living for all of us, for all of us, and we all glean more out of God's Word. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. So open your Bible to, with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1, or it's also on your paper, or on the screen today. And we're going to get the first 11 verses, beginning at verse 3, and then we'll come back and kind of pick them apart a little bit. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his very own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Boy, there's a lot of things there, isn't there? For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed 
from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray for a minute. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, whenever we we read your word like this, there just is a sense of peace and a sense of power and a sense of authority that comes along with it. And I thank you for that. I thank you that your word is true, fully true. And I pray that you would just uh, help us to glean out your truths today in a new way, possibly. But it would give us peace and assurance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we dig into the word here, we have to continue to remember that Peter's purpose in writing this letter is to the churches of the day and to help them defend and protect themselves from the false teaching that is beginning to come into the church. I mean, it's kind of amazing that the church is young. This is only A.D. 66 or 67 or so. Jesus died in A.D. 33 or 34 in that area. So 33 years or 30-some years, and already there's a twisting of the true and original teaching of Jesus. Already some false teachers are bringing um, heresy and partial truths and untruths into the church. And so Peter is addressing that. So when we go through the effort of knowing this, what the purpose of this is, what his purpose is here, is that he wants to help everyone to make their election sure. And what I mean by election, what I mean, what I mean by that is it's, he wants to make their salvation sure. He wants to give them a sure foundation of who Jesus is, and he wants to encourage them that they are in right relationship with the Lord and that they have good teaching so that when the false teachers come, that they can discern the untruths from the truths and they can be protected in that. And that's why he's writing this. And so what he's doing here, he is giving a game plan. He's given a strategy. He's laying out a strategy for the early churches to how they would protect themselves from from false teaching. So if you go back and look at your paper, look at, the, look at your, our scripture, he says that the first thing that God will do or he's asking God to do is that God would give divine power to give us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's asking God to give us his divine power to give us everything we need Think of that, that God has the ability to give us everything we need to live a godly life so that we can then have the promises of God's word. Now, what does that look like? And what does that mean to, uh, for us today? You've got to remember that Peter was living, in the, in the times they were living even if it, the church was young, was still perilous times for the people because the government was against them. The Roman Empire was not in favor. They wanted to hide Jesus' death and resurrection. They, wanted, they didn't want him to come back. The Jewish Pharisees didn't want him to come back. And so they had a lot of external pressures against them. But this letter is focusing more on something that is more internal because it's coming from within the church and so the times are perilous for the church, for the early church. 
And I think they're perilous for us as well today. I think that we have so much false truth in our world today. The false narrative of people that want to spin God's word to make it whatever they want it to be, to make it easier for them to live by. We have that, which is certainly something we have to deal with. We have uh, a lot of false truth in our, I hate to say it, I really hate to say it, but in our government and in our society today. It's not the government that we grew up with a few years ago. Things are changing, and it's really sad to say that. I never thought I would see the day that I would say that our government in many ways is untrustworthy because there's so many false things that are being said. And I'm not trying to create a, re- a rebellion here. I'm just, we just have to speak the truth so that we know what untruth is. And, um, and Joe prayed for us today about having, not having a spirit of fear because there's a lot of untruth and it's been rolled out with the COVID pandemic. There's a lot of fear that's being rolled out with the election right now that's not really true. We don't know who really who's our president. Um, we want to have a good, fair election, and whatever comes out, what comes out. I mean, God's in control of it, but at the same time, we want to be able to be able to, we want to trust our process, don't we? And when we have anything that's not true, it makes us uneasy. It makes us uncomfortable. It gives anxiety, and rightly so. You know, we're not designed to live a solitary life. Do you know that? We are not designed to be men living on islands on, the, on their own. We are created to be social people. When Adam was in the garden with all the things that he had, he was incomplete until God formed Eve out of the rib of Adam. And then Adam had completeness and wholeness because he had relationship with other people. And it's unfortunate that, that what the enemy's doing right now is trying to create solitary people through social distancing. It should be physical distancing. It shouldn't be social distancing because physically we need to be distant because it's smart. But socially, we shouldn't be distant, right? I mean, I should be able to talk to you and call you and, and, and spend time with you and, and, and keep our social life together we shouldn't be solitary, and we shouldn't allow the fear of being social. We can be safe and be careful and be physically distant, but even the terminology that has been used to be socially distant creates fear, doesn't it? And we're not designed to be that way. And there's a lot of heaviness that comes in the world through just the, the, the other burdens that we carry, because we all carry burdens of, of our health, our finances, our family issues, and you know, those are just going to come. But I want to go and I want to offer to you what Jesus offers to us in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and through verse 30, Jesus says this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find great rest You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Do you see the invitation of Jesus here? What he's saying to you is that what my word will not further encumber you. 
the world looks at this thing and they say that the rules that, are, that God places on people make it harder for us to enjoy life, don't they? Isn't that kind of what our society says, that church only adds more burdens to your life, it only adds more rules and regulations to your life? Do you see the enemy spinning here what God is saying, what Jesus is trying to say? He says, if you come to me, I will make your burden easy and I will make your yoke, your, your burden light and your yoke easy. What he's saying is that I'm not going to take away the problems in your life because the Bible says also that you will have many problems in life. But what he's promising us is that he will help us carry the burden. He will help us get through the times that we're in. So it's not an issue of coming in and hitting the easy staple button and all of a sudden life is good and no problems anymore. If, if, you're, if you were told that when you were first saved, that's why I believe many people fall away from the church is because they've been, told, they've been sold a bill of goods thinking that when you love Jesus, he's going to take all of your problems away. He didn't say that. Not at all. But he did say that if you come to me, if you're weary and tired, I will help you carry your burdens. And I will give you rest. And as you take my yoke upon you, in other words, take, here's the thing, a yoke is placed on an animal so the animal can do the work of pulling the plow. But Jesus says, if you take my yoke upon you, I will help you pull the plow. And I will help you get through the issues of life. And so, when we go to God's word like this, these are some things that would give us a foundation of hope and peace and of joy that we can bear, we can get through the issues of life because the issues of life are going to always be there until the time that he takes us home, until the time that we fly away, right? I'll fly away, okay? When we, when we fly away, then the burdens are gone because now we're lighter than air and uh, that's going to be a great day. So I just encourage you that we would not let our physical circumstances be the thing that encumbers us, but we would let the Lord truly, truly help us. And he promises that he'll be with us and he, he'll promise us to take care of us. The writer of Hebrews encourages us a little bit more in this way. He says in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning of verse 14 through 16, the writer says this, Therefore, Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are, yet he did not sin. And here's the verse I want to emphasize. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. Last week we talked about grace. How Peter said we could have grace in more and increasing measure, more and more of God's grace. And God's grace is an empowerment and an emboldenment to live above sin, live above the cares of this world. So he says, so let us then approach God's grace, throne of grace, with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. Isn't that good to know that we have the truth of God's word that is going to help us? not confuse us in our time of need, that we can go to the true word of God and he will give us the hope and the peace and the assurance that we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And and we're going to not just be okay, we're going to be grand. We're going to be just amazing. 
So the invitation that we have entering the throne of God's amazing grace, we can do it with confidence. Man, that should just blow our mind to think that we can go into the throne of God's grace. It should just be one of those poof. <laughs> and our, our minds should just blow off our head because that is just un, unbelievable that God gives us that and he gives us that, he, he gives us that invitation. He's not holding any good thing back from us. Nothing is held back from a true believer that goes into the throne room of God's grace. He said he'll give you everything we need. Everything. Wow, that is so good. So good. We have the promise of God's provision with his unlimited grace. A little, a few chapters down in, in, in Hebrews, go to Hebrews chapter 7. And we're going to see again how the writer promises of Jesus being faithful to us and being our intercessor. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 through 26. The writer says, But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever. Did you hear the words forever? Think about that. He's not talking about a temporary thing. He's saying forever. We're going to be living forever Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf or on our behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. That's who Jesus is. And he's all about you. He's all about us. He's interceding for us. He's there in the throne room of heaven, interceding for you and I today. And he is and he's asking the Father, Father, send the angels there to guard them. Send that angel over there to empower them. Send that angel of healing over there or provision over there. Because, Father, you've promised to give them everything. So let's do it. Let's give them everything they need. Let's give them all the angels they need. Let's give them all the support we need. That's what Jesus is doing. And it's a great thing that we have that promise. And what was happening in that day is that there was false teachings, teachers coming in that were trying to dispute that. And they were trying to say that that's not true. They were trying to say that there's other ways we have to get to God, that Jesus is not the only way. But Peter's saying the only faith that has any redemptive and protective power is the faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. We can't go to any other person. We can't pray to any other entity. Our relationship is with Jesus, and it's the grace of Christ that protects us. And then we must, we must purposely have to participate in it. My Bible commentary says this, he says, note that Christ does not remain an advocate and intercessor for those who refuse to confess and give up their sin and who abandon their relationship with God. His intercession to save completely, hear that, to save completely is only for those who come to God through him and remain in him. There is no safety and security for those who deliberately and repeatedly continue to sin and refuse to turn to God for their daily forgiveness and relationship. So, Peter's now going to turn the page a little bit now, and he's going to talk about what is our purpose? What is our responsibility? God is told, told, telling us his. 
Jesus has laid out his plan, but what is our responsibility? Because we need to do something here in the context of having our position and staying in the position of God's blessing. Verse 8. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. There's the word I'm looking for. That you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil and desires. What Peter's saying here is that we have to participate in the divine nature if we are going to have a divine nature. We have, to, we have to participate. We have to do our part in, in what God is asking us to do to make sure that we remain in relationship with Jesus so that we can have the divine nature that Jesus has. You know, when I was in college, I had Economics 101. And I had a professor, I can remember him saying it, he said it over and over again. <laughs> he said, there is no such thing as a free lunch. There is no such thing as a free lunch. In other words, if, if somebody's going to give you something for free, somebody had to pay for it. There, there's no such thing as free anything in this world. Everything has to be paid for. There's a price for everything. And, in, and spiritually, that's the same thing. If we, want to be, if we want to have a spiritually sound life, a life of hope and peace and joy, it's not free. I mean, there's something we need to do to participate in. To get it. Now, I, I'm going to walk. I'm walking a fine line here. I know that. But we have to recognize that we are saved by God's grace. I get that. Totally saved by God's grace. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. But once we have God's grace, what do we do? What do we do with it? It's our responsibility to stay in God's presence so that God's grace can stay with us. We talked about this last week, and I don't want to go back into last week's message, but we can, we, can, we can violate God's grace if we're not careful, and we can abuse God's grace if we're not careful because grace is not intended to allow us to sin and sin, sin more so we can have more and more grace. No, it's, it's, it's the grace that allows us to break away, to escape from the corruption of this world is what Peter was saying, that we can then be in the presence of God so that we can remain in God's grace and that God's grace will be there for us to lift us up. And so we have a participation to result in. And it allows me to escape the corruption of the world. And I, I think we need to just not rush through this point because I think we can, um, we can miss it kind of here if we're not careful. We can miss God's grace if we don't apply it correctly in our life. So I think we just need to dwell on that for, for, a, for a few minutes and chew on it. What does it mean to be in the position of God's grace? What does it mean for you? See, God's grace is his unmerited favor, and it's extended to us to receive it in the moment of life. But it's not limited to the moment of life. It is a continual walk. It's a continual lifestyle. It's a daily basis 
of keeping me in the position of God's grace to help to keep me from falling into the trap of sin. And that's the problem that Peter was dealing with with the early church, that people were falling out of the position of God's grace by false teachers, and they were, falling, and they were getting trapped in the trap of sin. And once we get trapped in the trap of sin, it's hard to get out of it. Deception is very powerful. We know that. Once I get deceived and my conscience is seared and I don't see that what I'm doing is wrong anymore and someone was to come to, come to me and truly try to help me, it's hard to come back. And so what Peter's trying to tell his people is take, have a good offense. Have a good offense and protect yourself from allowing yourself to, from getting out of God's grace. You know, there's that the hidden enemy is the most powerful enemy. The enemy that you don't see is the most powerful enemy that we face. And that's exactly what Peter was trying to deal with here with the internal enemy that was coming inside of the church because it came in very subtly and very deceptively, very quiet and quite often hidden. And I think that sometimes we don't realize in our life the power of hidden sin. We don't realize in our life the power of hidden attitudes that aren't seen by other people. Maybe not even by your spouse or your closest friends. You know, God's word gives us great promises that he will protect us from, from the external. There's nothing that can shake your faith externally. In fact, the Romans chapter 8, Paul tells the Romans in beginning at verse 37. He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this passage right here is telling us that there is no external enemy that can come and take your salvation. There is not anything in this world that can take you out of the love of God and out of the position of God's grace. Nothing. You are totally secure from the enemy's attacks. He may come and tell you that he can take you out, but he cannot take you out of God's favor. But there's one thing here that Paul doesn't mention and this is a thing we have to recognize because he doesn't recognize, he never mentions in here, my choice. Nobody can come and take anything from me, but I can give it away. I can give up. It, my choice is that's the, that's the hidden enemy that I'm talking about. It's the hidden enemy that says that I can compromise. I can give up. Nobody can force me to do anything, but I can give it away. And it happens subtly most of the time. It doesn't happen with one big blow up. Most of the time it happens very subtly. I just compromise here, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. And all of a sudden I find myself off the narrow road. And I'm on the wide road that leads to destruction and hell. And I'm off the narrow road of, of God's grace. 
So I have to protect against the hidden thing. It's the hidden enemy that works down in my life. And I'm telling you, it's the hidden enemy that will wear you down if we're not careful. And, and, and this is why we need to have a great offense. This is why we need to stay in the Word of God because if I'm not in the Word of God and if I'm not in a daily prayer life, the hidden enemy will wear me down. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know how subtle it is? That little bit of discouragement. I skip church a few times or I'm not in the presence of God or, or, or I'm not with my church friends or my godly friends and I'm kind of wandering myself. Like I said before, we're not designed to be solitary creatures. We're not designed to be alone because if the devil can separate you from the flock, he will eat your lunch. If the devil can get you out of the flock, that's where the wolves come in sheep's clothing so many times. The wolf will come looking like a good person but with a little bit of a truth error, just a little bit of a variation of truth there. And if you're not keeping yourself in, the, in God's word to know truth from untruth, truth from partial truth, all of a sudden that wolf in sheep's clothing can sound really good just enough to get you off the path a little bit. That's why we need people. That's why we need church. That's why we need godly teaching. That's why you need to be around godly friends because we need people that will hold ourselves accountable and say, are you okay? How you doing? You feeling okay? How's your spiritual life? Where's your temptations leading you? You need those. If we don't have those, we're, we're just putting ourselves at a very real threat of the enemy coming in with that hidden enemy coming in. Not the devil, just my own flesh. The devil's not always the culprit here. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's just my laziness. That can be all it takes sometimes to, to, to start wearing me down. So what do we do with that? Now that we've identified it, what's the solution? Let's talk about the solution that Peter gives us. Go to our text, beginning at verse 5. He says, For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, which is love, and to mutual affection, love, more love. Mutual affection is that I love you as much as God loves me. There's a lot of words right there, and I don't have the time to dig into every one of these words, but you know, it, doesn't it sound very much like the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control, or uh, kindness, self-control. What's, what's the ninth one? There's another one there. And we did a, big, we did a pretty good study a, few, a while back on, on the fruit of the Spirit. But if you look at this, all these things that Peter is asking us to put in our life, again, it's not to burden us. It's not to make it hard to live a Christian life. It really is to give us a good offense against the hidden enemy that would want to sneak into our life. Because if I have a, if I have a, a good offense, I'll probably win the battle. Right? If you have a good offense, you probably will win the game. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. Guys, there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing. You can, you can have all the promises of God, but if you're not putting in the effort to dig into the promises of God, they're probably not doing you much good. 
So we have, to, we have to work. We have our responsibility. We have to participate. So we need to make the effort to add these things into our life. And you know what? It may take some effort. I'm, let me just tell you, it might take a little bit of work on your part. Maybe it's called getting up in the morning a little bit early to pray. Maybe it means setting aside the TV remote control for a little bit to read the Word of God. Maybe it means intentionally calling a friend. If they're on your heart, maybe get on the phone and call somebody and say, hey, can I talk to you? I need a little help maybe, or I want to encourage you. It says getting out of your self-centered way. That's the mutual affection that he's talking about. Getting out of your center point, putting Christ at the center point, and then thinking about people and how can you help people and how can they help you. So it's really the more effective we are, the more productive we are, the more intentional we are about our life like this, the more effective your offense will be and the safer you will be in the arms of God. Amen? That's a good thing. So then he says in verse 8, he says, If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So the promise of God is this. If we use our, go back to our offense and defense terminology, we can read verse 8 to, meet, to, let it, to read it this way in another context. Same meaning, different context. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you effective and productive. Think of it that way. They will keep you effective and productive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we stay effective and productive? By allowing the qualities that we just talked about to be increasing in your life and to intentionally and purposely pursuing them. It's the increasing measure of God's grace and our efforts that go along with that that will make us effective and productive. Stop passing notes. <laughs> See, when you have a small congregation, you can't hide, Jackie. You just can't hide. I'm sorry. If we had a couple thousand people in here, you could do that, and I wouldn't see it. But when it's just you and my wife sitting over there, and I see you pass notes, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? You going to share with all of us? <laughs> I'm sorry. The rabbit just jumped on the trail, okay? Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Okay, good. So here's the good news. And a great place to end our conversation today because we have to end the conversation today so we can pick it up again next week because we can't get through all of this study in one week. So here's the good news and a great place that we can be. He says in verse 10, Therefore, my brothers and sisters... Make every effort, again, your participation. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want that. I want to know that I will have a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. Amen? And so there is nothing in God's word that is going to make it difficult for me to do that. What makes it difficult for me to do that is when I allow the hidden enemy of my flesh get in and want to make this difficult. 
Living for Jesus is not a burden. Living on the fence is a burden. Living on the fence of how close can I play with the world and still be a Christian, that's hard. Do you know why I know that? Because I used to live that way. How many other people in this room used to live that way? Yeah. It's not the place to be. If you want to be victorious, then throw away the sin. Throw away that hidden temptation and just say, no, I'm not going there. Make every effort, as Peter is saying, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. It's your, it's your choice because nobody can make it for you. Nobody can take it away from you, and nobody can make it for you. God's grace is sufficient. His grace and his power is there. He's given us everything we need to be productive and effective. I just need to participate in it, and so do you. And when we participate in that, God has given us great and precious promises that I will receive and you will receive a rich welcome when we come into the kingdom of God because I think we all want to hear Jesus say, Welcome. Well done, thou good and faithful. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like? Just stop here and just think about that. That first breath of eternal air and you see Jesus standing there and he says, Welcome home. Well done. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just can't handle that. That blows my mind. To think that he would say, well done, Mike. You did a good job. You weren't perfect. You made some mistakes along the way. But you were forgiven. And because you're forgiven, you're welcome here. Come on in and share your master's happiness because he's got great things in store for you today, today. Not just for today, but forever. So now come on into eternity and come in and share this life of eternity with me so that you can watch me create. I mean, I, mean, I, I can't wait. I, 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 I can't wait to know that we're going to watch God create more and more and more because God's a creator. He created the heavens and the earth. And he's going to keep creating. And we're going to be part of it. And we're going to be given a responsibility in it. And it's not going to be heavy, and it's not going to be a burden. Work here sometimes can be burdensome. I get that because it can be a pain in the butt. I get it. But up there, when we get to heaven and we come down here and live in a new heavens and a new earth, our responsibilities are going to be a joy because he's going to give us the ability to do everything he asks us to do perfectly. That's, that's fun. It's going to be a joy. So I want to encourage you today. I know that we have a lot of stuff going on in this life that's hard, It's maybe some untruths, but don't worry about it. Get beyond it. Get over it. Get into God's word and let him fill you with the joy and the peace and the happiness that he has in store. Jackie, would you come, please? And I'm praying that this study will revitalize your personal prayer life. If you've been struggling a little bit with your Bible reading or your study time or your personal prayer life, I'm just asking you, I'm praying for you that this will revitalize your personal prayer time because it's in your personal prayer time that you get strength. You don't get it by just coming to church on Sunday morning or you get it by even listening to a podcast. Yeah, it's good to have, but you don't get it there. You get it when you make the effort and you participate 
and you get on your knees and you stop the day, whatever's happening in your day, stop and say, Jesus, it's just about you now. I need to spend some time with you. You promised me to give me everything that I need. Now I just need it. And I need to take the time to, for you to give it to me and speak to me. Sometimes our prayer life is too much us talking. Sometimes we just need to be, be quiet. Sometimes we just need to go into his inner chamber and just be quiet and let him feed us, speak into your life. This is when we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's when you need the Holy Spirit to really, really show up in his power. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he took those times, he had those times of solitude. He went those times, he took the times that he'd go up in the mountain or get up early in the morning and go off by himself and just have his own time with his Father. If Jesus needed that, if Jesus enjoyed that, how much more can we need and enjoy that? Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 28, he says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers. In the harmony in, with in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. <laughs> There's great hope, folks. Great hope, great assurance in the truth of God's word. Amen? Participate. Get involved. It's your life. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can take it away. It's you and Jesus. You and the Holy Spirit. This is a great game plan that will help us and will assure us of our salvation. If you need help, call me sometime. If you need to discuss this or have questions, call me or call another Christian brother or sister. Don't go life alone. It's a hard journey. You need people. We need each other. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your promises today I thank you for your word today I thank you Lord how you are very clear with us if we would only read it and apply it your burdens are not heavy and your yoke is easy and I pray Father in our weariness that we would come to you this, to receive rest and to receive assurance of our sure election that our salvation is secure we have no reason to fear, that we have no reason to be discouraged, no reason to be disappointed, no reason to have the feeling of giving up is the best thing to do. Help us to persevere to the end, knowing that you have great things in store for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your promises. And I pray, Father, that you would strengthen your people today, that, that are those that are here in, in body and those that are listening that you would strengthen them and just encourage them and let them know that you love them and that you are fighting for them as we participate in the divine nature of who you are 
And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jackie and Tom, would you lead us in, your, in that song you recorded, please? Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name is love. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name is life. Jesus, your name is healing. Jesus, your name is Jesus, your name will free every captive. Jesus, your name is life. Father, thank you so much for the promises. Thank you for the name of Jesus, the name above all names. So, Father, as we go our separate ways today, I pray that you would just bring blessing into our lives today and just encourage those that are here and those that are listening. Just we know that you love us and we just want to love you back. That's our, that's our participation is to love you back. We thank you for that. And I pray your blessings now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Amen. Have a great day.